The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Okay, folks, we got a lot to go over, so let's dive right on in. Welcome to the podcast. It's Monday. It's Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris, your host, and this is a hoop ball presentation. The reason I wanted to live, just leap headstrong into this stuff is that Sunday in particular, we had a couple of ball games that I think we're going to probably end up pausing on for like probably four or five minutes apiece which is unusual for us because, as you know, reverse chronological lightning round, as it suggests, is that we move through these things pretty fast. But there are developments happening with teams that have sort of leaned into the tank a little bit, and I want to make sure we give adequate time to those. I also have a couple of recruiting pitches we're going to throw at you this week, a brand new contest, and some advertisements. Got to pay the bills, y'all got to pay the bills. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You know what's funny is I, as I say my last name, I spell it out loud, I realize I don't really uh, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth as I'm spelling my last name, so hopefully that's actually been right. That just happens. That's an autopilot thing at this point. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. Make sure to check that out as well. Let's just jump right on in. Sunday, we'll start with the first game. By the way, reverse chronological lightning round. We go backwards through the weekend, each team's most recent ball game played, and make sure that we have ourselves reset for the week ahead. Okay? Not wasting any time there either. Grizzlies at Thunder. Memphis played with their food. They got up by 10 points late in the third quarter, and they took out all the guys that were doing the work. DeAnthony Melton was pulled from the ballgame for unknown reasons. Brandon Clark came out of the ballgame at that juncture. And they went to a sort of goofball reserve lineup. And the Thunder went on a furious run and just never slowed down. And the Grizzlies deserved to lose this game because they weren't guarding anybody, particularly late. But there's stuff fantasy-wise on both sides. You guys don't care about the reality of this game. You guys don't care about... The Grizzlies losing one that they really needed to put in the win column. A team that looks like Memphis is going to be, at the very least, in the fight for the play-in tournament. They're the last team in it right now, but boy, that's a that's a tough loss to wear. I wouldn't say the Pelicans are breathing down their neck. Pelicans and Thunder actually each two games back. One of those two teams is trying, and the other one sort of isn't. That's a bad look for the Pelicans, too. On the Memphis side, DeAnthony Melton played only 19 minutes in this game. He was wonderful in them. 13 points, 3 assists, 3 steals, a 3-pointer, good percentages, high usage, all the things you want, but they just didn't let him play. For some reason, they went heavy on Desmond Bain, even though that wasn't working at all. Please, someone explain to me what the hell Memphis is doing on a night-to-night basis. They went heavy on Justice Winslow, and that didn't turn out to be a great look either. Get it together, Grizzlies. Figure out who the hell you actually want to play in a ballgame and do it. Irritated, man. Taylor Jenkins, this was like real head-in-the-cloud stuff. I don't know what he saw out there that made him sort of change his mind midstream and not give Melton enough run or slow-mo. His run wasn't particularly good in yesterday's ballgame. I don't know what was going on there, but 
just insisted on playing the wrong guys. I get it. You want to try stuff out because it's a long season. You want to see what lineups fit, but geesh. I'm not changing my valuation on Melton. That's probably the overarching point here. I still really like what he's brought to the table, even though his minutes have been all over the damn map. Overall, Melton is number 91 in 20 and a half minutes per ball game. That's how unreal his fantasy stuff is. He's like the guard version of Nerland's Noel. You very rarely see a guard that can post fantasy value in 20 minutes per ball game. It's extremely rare because it's just easier to get there as a big man. It's it is it's just easier to get there as a big man because you can play 20 minutes and you can get a couple of blocks. And that gets the job done. Look at some of the players. This is a fun exercise. This is the look at why, why do we isolate guys that play big minutes. The top 50, there's only one player inside the top 50 who's not playing 25 minutes of ballgame, and that's Chris Boucher, who's number 38. He's playing 24 minutes per game. Everyone else inside the top 50 is, I think, above 28 after that. So that's Boucher is really the unicorn in that mix. As you start to work your way down the board, you start to find guys, a couple more guys that are a, a little bit lower in minute total, but still generally not by all that much. For instance, the next guy under 27 minutes inside the top 100 is Jordan Clarkson at 26 minutes. He's number 72. Justin Patton, but that's nine games of streaming, so we can throw him out. Brandon Clark is just under 27 minutes. He's at he's right at the top 75 mark. Uh, Thad Young in 25 minutes is number 80. And so this is why what Melton is doing is pretty extraordinary. The Time Lord at 16 minutes is number 88. DeAnthony Melton at 20 minutes is number 91. Bobby Portis in 21 and a half minutes is number 95. That's basically the list. T.J. McConnell, 25 minutes. So, again, like, it, not only are they special in that they're they're putting up value in under 27 minutes, those are the guys that are putting up value in under 21 minutes. Montrez Harrell is at 24, and that's the list inside the top 100. That's it. Nerlens Noel is at 109 in 22 minutes this year per game because his number of shots is down a little bit, but... As a starter, obviously, he's been playing more minutes, so he's actually been uh, holding value. We're just we're looking at the overall averages here. This is why it's so damn hard to have value if you're not playing a ton of minutes. DeAnthony Melton and Time Lord. That's it right now. So that's why you can't drop DeAnthony Melton, because he can get it done even in 18 or 19 minutes, and he's still close to value, and if he gets over 20, he basically just strolls right into it. He has some of the highest upside in all of fantasy basketball. I don't think that we've been clear when we've been assessing him how unbelievably rare and unique and special this dude actually is. Give him starters minutes, he's a top 50 guy. There was more news on the Oklahoma City side as well. By the way, I don't. nothing else on the Memphis side really stood out to me. On the OKC side, Alexei Pokashevsky played 39 minutes in this ballgame, had 23 points, 10 boards, 4 assists, a steal, and a block. Moses Brown fouled out in 24 minutes. He had 13-4 and four with a steal and a block on terrific percentages. 
Ty Jerome played 29 and a half minutes. He had 12, 6, and 5, two steals, two threes on not great percentages. And Isaiah Roby committed somehow nine turnovers as your power forward du jour in 33 minutes. He had 10 and 8, stealing a couple of blocks. I bring up these names because I think we need to go through what OKC is doing right now. And this is one of the games that I figured we would spend a couple of minutes on. First of all, Poku, as they call him, because saying Pokashevsky a bunch of times in a row is a bit of a mouthful, is a potential streamer with benefits. Let me explain myself there. Monster game. Colossal upside. I mean, he's a string bean. I don't know how he's hanging in there with guys like Jonas Valanciunas. I think they'd try to hide him where they can. He only had one foul somehow, which means he probably was more of a turnstile on defense than anything. But rebounds, hits the three ball, blocks shots because he's somehow seven feet tall, moves pretty well for a seven-footer. They really, really like this kid. But a lot of what happened over the last three games for Poku is because Darius Baisley's been out since the All-Star break. And you guys know I don't really like Baisley's fantasy game, but he does see starters minutes on this team, and that tends to push Pokushevsky back behind him, basically averaging about 31 minutes a ballgame this year. And the big three games here for Poku, or, or really two, have all come with no Baisley. So what happens when Baisley comes back? How many minutes does Pokushevsky actually get to hold on to? Therein lies the potential with benefits that we mentioned on the streamer tag. He's definitely a streamer. There is no doubt about that. He's been really cool. His his fantasy value is just completely nuts. But does he go back to playing 19-20 minutes of ball game when Baisley returns? I'm inclined to think the answer is probably yes because not only was Baisley out for this ball game, but the Thunder sat every single starter except Shea Gilgis-Alexander for this game. Al Horford was out. Baisley was out. Lou Dort was out. Theo Maladon was out as well. So they sat four guys, but only one of those four guys was actually hurt, and that's Baisley. So that's why Pokashevsky is actually probably the most interesting streamer of the bunch, where, you know, Ty Jerome, whose minutes were trending up, but his game is not hyper-fantasy-friendly. He had two three-pointers in this one, but that's actually relatively unusual for him. He's more of a one, one-and-a-half kind of guy. The assists have been okay, but as we've seen, Shea tends to be more of the lead dog there. His shooting percentage is not good. Field goal percent is not good. And the two steals were actually a pretty big deviation for Jerome. So, yes, he's a streamer if the Omaladon rests any more ball games. I don't think he's going to, and I also don't think he's overtaking Maladon either. Justin Jackson didn't have a good ball game, so I don't think we need to really go into much detail on him filling in for Lou Dort. And then Kenrich Williams, we know his fantasy limitations. Darius Miller, same kind of thing. We don't need to go into too much detail on those guys. Pokushevsky and Moses Brown and Isaiah Roby, those three guys are the ones that I want to focus our attention on. We've talked about Pokushevsky now. Let's talk about Moses Brown, who started this ballgame. He was the starting center, played 24 minutes, and fouled out. I don't think he was going too far over those 24 minutes, even if he doesn't foul out, maybe 26. He fouled out with about two minutes left in the ballgame, and they probably would have closed with him. 
But that said, 26 minutes would have been enough. Actually, 24, as it turned out, was enough. I know he didn't blow anybody's mind with this particular fantasy line, but a steal and a block on 5-for-6 shooting and 3-for-3 three three free throws, you'll pretty much take that regardless of what else is going on. Yes, there was no Al Horford in this ball game. It's not entirely clear what the Thunder pecking order is between Isaiah Roby and Moses Brown yet. They both got to play in this ballgame because, again, no Baisley, no Horford. So plenty of extra minutes to go around. In addition to, you know, Pokashevsky playing his extra 20 minutes, Baisley's 31 and Horford, whatever the hell he's at right now, I can, you know, I will, we'll look it up for consistency's sake. Horford's at 28. So that's, you know, 59 minutes. Even if you take 20 of those for Pokashevsky, you're still talking about 39 extra minutes for Roby and for Brown, effectively. Isaiah Roby was playing about 22-ish minutes, even when this team was largely healthy, 20 to 22 minutes. So again, you add another 10-ish. In this game, it was 13. That still leaves 26 minutes for Moses Brown, which is exactly what they were targeting there. So the, the math is... Quite simple in this particular instance. And then Mike Muscala, who's, you know, he's going to play some fringe minutes, but that's not going to change all that much. So basically, with no Horford, that left about 26 minutes that they could allocate to Moses Brown. If Horford plays, they're going to have to figure out where all the pieces fit. And he did in their previous game on Saturday. This is the segue. Horford played 27 minutes in that ballgame. Isaiah Roby played 26. Moses Brown played 26. Mike Muscala, DNP. All right, so of Horford's 27 minutes in that game, about half of those came from Mike Muscala. The other 13 were sort of blended among some of the other guys. Pokashevsky only played 30 instead of closer to 40. Roby played 26 instead of 33. So that's where Al Horford's minutes came from. But Moses Brown played 26 in that one also. That is why I am putting Moses Brown on the ad list because they found him 26 minutes regardless of whether Al Horford was in the lineup or not. There weren't really any foul issues in the Thunder's loss to the Knicks on Saturday morning. It was also a bit of a blowout, so perhaps that added a couple minutes to Moses Brown that may have normally gone to Al Horford if the game was a little bit closer, but we won't worry too much about the semantics there. Brown had 9-9 nine and nine with a steal and a block in that game on Saturday, 4 out of 5 shooting. He, he could legit, I mean, he's basically just going to be dunking, so he really could put up the DeAndre Jordan 70% field goal type of stuff in whatever he's doing. So add Moses Brown. I don't entirely know what his rebounding is going to look like at the NBA level. I do know that there are going to be some steals and some blocks. I know he's going to hit field goal percent at a very high clip. And uh, you have to just see how that one rides out. Isaiah Roby's another guy you should be watching very closely. I don't know that the upside is quite as high with Roby. He's not a big shot blocker. He's more of a center that gets steals. He's a better passer, averaging about two assists in 22 minutes. So if that goes up to 28 or 29, that assist number might get closer to three. Uh, we saw it in, in yesterday's ballgame. He actually did some ball handling. Good field goal percent. Can step out and hit the three. Not very often. You know, you know one every other game or so. Uh, rebounding is okay. 
There's a lot of okay stuff happening across the board with Roby, but without the shot blocking, it's hard for him to uh, sort of juice his numbers the way that uh, Moses Brown might be able to. So Pokashevsky, streamer with benefits, potentially Roby. If they start resting Horford, that's when he moves into value. Moses Brown, I think he's good to go anyway. If you're in a GameScap format, I wouldn't start him immediately. Uh, just, again, collect a little bit more data and roll from there. I felt like we could spend an extra, you know, a good 10 minutes on that ballgame because we can blitz through a few of these. Utah at Golden State, really almost nothing of value here. James Wiseman's minutes a little bit higher, but not good enough. I mean, he was good enough in this ballgame, but you're not going to... You're going to get much from him overall on a night-to-night basis. He's not, he has not turned the corner yet. San Antonio at Philadelphia. This ballgame was a blowout early. The Spurs pulled all of their relevant players. The only thing I would take away from this ballgame, you know, Keldon Johnson, his leash is getting short on my end. His numbers were trending down even before COVID. I know that if this game was closer, he would have played more. But I'm going to need to see a good game out of Keldon or I'm turning him into a streaming slot. As early as later this week. Philly did it without Joel Embiid because their defense is really good when they're actually locked in and focused. And it seems like they've come out of the All-Star break with uh, a, a renewed fire in their bellies. They didn't get any free throws in this game, but it didn't matter. They shot 57%, hit 15 threes. Danny Green's been pretty good lately. Seth Curry looks like maybe he's finally got his wind back. That was a long lag there. And uh, the Matisse Thibel, yeah, he still had a pretty good ball game here, but the stream is over because uh, Ben Simmons is back for for Philly. Uh, with San Antonio, the only thing you're kind of tracking, by the way, big game for Derek White, so that buy low window is very much gone. The only thing you're watching with San Antonio is where the power forward minutes get allocated because Trey Lyles played 14 ineffective minutes here. Keldon Johnson tends to slide up and play a little power forward. Rudy Gay's done it. It's also quite possible that we just don't end up worrying about it. Miami beat Orlando, game the Magic actually led until relatively late, and you kind of knew that at some point Jimmy Butler would exert himself. Kelly Olynyk is a terrific stream as long as Bam Adebayo is out, so roll him out there as your streamer. Duncan Robinson, uh, you know, a little bit better here. He hit the four threes, but he just hasn't really been himself this year, and it's going to take, take a real heater. For, for Duncan Robinson to get up and over that hump now. There's sort of too much time spent in the 150 range for him to just wipe it out. But there is that massive three-pointer upside where if he starts averaging four a game and actually starts hitting some shots or getting some rebounds or steals, then yeah, he moves sort of back onto the radar. He's number 140 right now on a per-game basis. And perpetually, he is close. That year. I think that's the best thing we can say about him. He's perpetually close. The Magic, uh, no Aaron Gordon, no Evan Fournier. Those two guys remain on the trade block, as does Terrence Ross, as does Nico Vucevic. Uh, but Vooch and Ross played in this one, and they both had gigantic ball games. And really, as long as they're the only two sort of last men standing with Orlando, you can trot them out there. The shame of the Magic is that the rest of this team, everybody's a terrible fantasy stat set. Just a laundry list of guys that no matter how many minutes they get, they can't really do anything with them. What a disappointment. Orlando. Uh, I did have their under for season win total, so at least there's that. But uh, no real valuation changes there. You're sort of holding Fournier and Gordon and Ross and Vooch. You hold them through the break, or the, uh, excuse me, the deadline. And uh, you 
just react from there, really. And on the Miami side, let's hope we get some good news on Bam soon. If not, just keep rolling Olenek out there, because he is clobbering people right now. Just an unreal stream when he gets to play true center minutes. Four giant games in a row here. Although I think, did Bam? Yeah, Bam sat out that last one before the break, too. Uh, he really, they rely on Jimmy Butler more than they do on Bam. As, as we've seen here, they've played fine. Not great, but fine without Bam. They're not good without Jimmy Butler. Cleveland blown out in Atlanta. Kevin Love played two minutes and then decided he wasn't feeling well. So he went to do some strength training and uh, decided he'd just try to play in the next one. And that is, that's sad, man. Um, this was a horrible game for everybody on the Cavaliers. You can just throw this one into the junk bin for everybody else. But I, I do think it's important to point out what's going on with Kevin Love. Right now, they don't expect him to play. And so if you've been sitting on Love, you probably just need to move on, which is a real shame. What I, what I would also do, uh, here, here's my advice. Give it another day or two. Don't make a rash decision because this is the type of strange turn he played. Ten minutes, that's all he got. Had a day off, should have been time for him to get right and then couldn't last two minutes in this ballgame. Just something wasn't right. Dude's not... That's the type of thing that makes you just say, you know what, screw it, this guy's just never going to play. But let's at least wait and see what it means. Although I totally understand that you guys want to punt him into the sun. I do too. I do too. But I, I think the, the, the prudent move here, especially if you've been squatting on him for two, three months... If you just picked him up to stash him last week, yeah, you can get rid of him pretty easily. But if you've been sitting on him a while, at least give him one more ball game. No Clint Capella on the Atlanta side, no problem. Nathan Knight, John Collins picking up the slack at the center minute, uh, at the center position in this ball game. Collins loves playing center because he gets to go crazy when he's out there. Nathan Knight, monster game in 23 minutes off the bench. Danilo Gallinari may be the biggest winner here because that meant he had guaranteed power forward minutes throughout the ballgame, and he did a lot with them. I, If Capella misses any more time, I think Gallo's the guy you really feel confident in, and then Collins, his numbers will take a, a, a bump, but you were playing him anyway. And then with Knight, yeah, no, not, not trusting that in a backup role, in a non-blowout, too. If this wasn't a blowout, his minutes are about six or seven minutes lower. You'd get more Collins, more Gallo, more Herder, more Trey, etc. Boston blew out Houston. We'll pause on the Houston side for a minute because there's a discussion to have there. With Boston, the Time Lord man, he is just trucking right now. He has overtaken the other two Boston centers. You can drop Tristan Thompson if you hadn't already. Please, Lord, say you had. And you can drop Daniel Tice. Neither one of those guys is worth rostering on a game-to-game -game basis. This is a blowout early, so the minutes were low even for the starter-level guys. Uh, but Time Lord's the guy, and... Uh, he's he's just smashing things right now. Absolutely smashing things. On the Houston side, so there's there's a lot to unpack here. Victor Oladipo played another extraordinarily inefficient offensive ball game for Oladipo, who's trying for a max contract, but I barking up the wrong tree these days. Kevin Porter Jr. played 30 minutes, had 11-7, and seven, but kind of came back to earth a little bit here. Didn't shoot the ball well, had some turnovers, no steals or blocks. He's a guy you're definitely sticking with. Sterling Brown, 29 minutes, but didn't do much with them. Justin Patton, 24 minutes, and was actually pretty good. But I still think Christian Wood is coming back at some point this week. The Rockets really need to wipe the stink off right now. They, I mean, they're in 
an unreal tailspin. And so that's that's really what I want to talk about because Jay Sean Tate had a good ball game here, nine and six, four steals and a block. Kenyon Martin Jr. They call him KJ. Uh, KJ Martin, 21, 4, and 3, 2 steals, a block, 2 three-pointers, and 7 out of 8 free throws in this ballgame. So he had another uh, really nice, well-rounded line. David Nwaba played 19 minutes. Still no Daniel House, still no John Wall, still no Christian Wood. P.J. Tucker is gone. Uh, hasn't been traded yet, but he's gone for all intents and purposes. So what does it all mean is the question, because Eric Gordon now is out seemingly for the rest of the regular season. The Gordon and P.J. Tucker stuff, as I talked about on Friday's pod, kind of opened things up for us earlier than expected here. It opened things up for uh, Porter, in particular, right away. And then we're seeing all this extra stuff out of K.J. Martin and Jay Sean Tate. Well, Tate, we kind of expected anyway. And Sterling Brown. When John Wall comes back, that probably moves... Porter over or to the bench. Do they slide Oladipo up to small forward and keep Porter as the starting shooting guard? That would be my guess. Sterling Brown then would probably move to the Houston bench. When Daniel House comes back, does that bump anyone or does he become a bench guy? He probably also is a bench guy in that instance. My guess here, and then if Christian Wood comes back, is that your starting lineup for the Rockets ends up as John Wall, Kevin Porter Jr., Victor Oladipo, Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood. At that point, I don't have a clue how many minutes Martin is going to get. I don't have a clue how many minutes David Nawaba or Daniel House is going to get. What I think you can say effectively is that when this team actually has guys healthy, Tate is probably going to play about this 25 minutes. Wood is probably going to get up near 30. Wall and Oladipo are also going to be near 30. And then Porter, probably, I would guess, somewhere in the 25 to 30 range as well. So Kevin Porter is a guy that you you stick on your roster, of course. And these other guys, I don't know that you really need to bother. I think you could add Martin just to see what happens because it looks like his fantasy stat set is kind of interesting. But I certainly don't have the stones to start him in a Roto League right now because he's coming off the bench. And what if there's a competitive ball game? Does he actually get to finish one that's not a blowout? We don't know. The Rockets have basically been blown out every single game for like almost a month and a half straight. And so anyway, that's kind of where we're at with uh, with most of those guys. Tate is... Tate, KJ Martin, those guys probably belong on your bench. Patton, eh, streamer if you want, if you got space for it. Not super exciting, but I do like his defensive stats. And then uh, Kevin Porter seems like the guy that will be worthwhile the rest of the way, especially while Depot and Wall are alternating taking days off and or potentially both taking days off at the same time. Portland at Minnesota. Nothing massive here, at least in terms of changing valuation. Sounds like CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic are both quite close, that they're basically healthy now, uh, but need to clear various league-mandated protocols because CJ was away from the team for a funeral. I don't know what took Nurk away from the team or if one report sort of got extrapolated to another but it sounds like those guys are quite close which means the Gary Trent experience is getting close to being done as is the enter Ennis Cantor freight train which has been uh two and change pretty good months out of Cantor that's all you could really hope for there um you don't have to drop Cantor yet by the way if he plays backup minutes and gets 22 ish or more he might still hold value um but, you know, it's not going to be anywhere close to what, what he's been at previously. 
On the Minnesota side, Anthony Edwards, huge couple of ball games against Portland here. He's going to run hot and cold, as rookies do. This is one of those little warm runs, which is pretty sweet, so just, you know, enjoy it. Because Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell, neither one of those guys is all that far away right now. I, uh, Beasley, I think, is... I think they're both probably within about 10 to 15 days of coming back. Um... So get what you can out of these dudes. And the question, of course, is, you know, how many shots is Edwards going to get after those dudes come back? The answer is not as many. And right now he's floating his value with massive usage because percentages have generally been, well, free throw percent hasn't been that bad. Field goal percent has been very bad. Uh, rebounds, assists, steals, stuff like that all has been good because he's been out there getting to do a bunch of stuff. And, and they'll keep force-feeding him because he's the number one overall pick, but it, it will be a step back. Ricky Rubio is the other question mark there. For now, just ride these guys as long as they're starting and playing gigantic minutes and getting to do stuff. And then if Cat is your pleasure, this is an interesting potential buy low opportunity for Carl Anthony Towns because this is probably the worst game he'll have the rest of the year. Jalen Noel is a three-point streamer. Jared Vanderbilt is a rebounding and defensive stats streamer. Neither one of those guys is clearing that hurdle anytime soon. Clippers... At Pelicans, Clippers just didn't bother to wake up for this ballgame other than, I guess, Kawhi Leonard. The rest of the team was quite bad. Quite bad. Quite bad. Serge Ibaka had back issues. We don't know what his deal is for their back-to-back here. My guess would be he probably sits it out. Uh, so, with the Mavericks, do you roll out Ivica Zubats in a stream? Uh, I'm a little bit reticent there. I mean, he probably gets the start. No, maybe not. You know, they might start Patrick Patterson or Marcus Morris at center. There's no guarantee that Zubats gets starters minutes. He's bounced all over the map. We know that a 21-minute performance is what we're calling a zoo. And uh, if you think you can get that out of him, then I guess you could stream it. But there really isn't much in the way of upside there. Pelican side, they're, dude, they're a, a weird ball club to try to handicap. Lonzo, big ball game there. Jackson Hayes played very well off the bench. Had a perfecto, 6 of 6 from the field, 5 of 5 at the free throw line. But overall, no real changes to valuations on this team. And so we, or either of these two teams, and so we shuffle along to a Chicago team that is one of our other we-need-to-talk-about-you clubs. For Toronto, they're just, they're gassed right now. They need their guys back. We still don't know when that might be. In the interim, you know, we talked about DeAndre Bembry being a potential defensive stats streamer, and he fell flat on his face. And really, everybody did in this game because they got whipped, and Norman Powell and Kyle Lowry were the only dudes that kind of hung on. And Boucher was fine, but the Raptors don't really have the type of backups that they are going to throw in there for 34 minutes when so many guys are out right now. I mean, they're way down the board, but don't worry about that too much. Chicago side is the interesting one because the Bulls decided to make an adjustment to their starting lineup. Our buddy Thaddeus Young into the starting lineup. Tomas Sadoransky into the starting lineup as well. Kobe White to the bench. Wendell Carter Jr. to the bench. Now, don't get it twisted. Kobe White is still going to play a whole bunch of minutes. They like him. Uh, but they they felt like the fit with Zach Levine in the starting unit wasn't terrific. With Wendell Carter Jr., I, I think there's a slight annoyance level with him right now because you're just you're getting no consistency at all. And he had a good game off the bench, 12 and 11 with a steal and a block. We played only 19 minutes, even in a blowout, even in a blowout. So Larry Markkinen has now sort of slid over to be the center of the present and/or future. Thad Young 
who they've loved. We've talked about that on the podcast. They love Thad Young, what he's done. He had 10, 7, and 7 in this game. And normally, he'd throw in a couple of steals or something like that. And you're talking about a giant ball game again. So I love Thad in this role as kind of point power forward, working guys in. Sadoransky is a traditional point guard, so he's going to get some assists just kind of being out there. He's a taller fella with good percentages. I love that Sato as an ad in nine category leagues. Absolutely adore it. I wouldn't start him in the very next ball game because he could very easily play 29 minutes and have eight points and four assists and do nothing else. But historically, and this is what you have to go on because, you know, there's, there's ups and downs. Historically, by the way, uh, Sadoransky's um, almost 30. I feel like he shouldn't be that old, but I guess he's been around the league for like five or six years and he wasn't a super young rookie. Historically, when, when Tomas Sadoransky plays starters minutes, he gets around eight or nine points, sorry, nine or ten points, be clear here, uh, over a steal, pretty good steals guy, and about five assists per ball game, and about four rebounds too. Pretty good rebounder for a point guard. Doesn't take a ton of threes, but does shoot uh, relatively well on them. And career 47% shooter overall. So pretty good from the field, 82 at the free throw line. He is your nine-cat kind of guy because he's not going to blow the roof off in any one particular category. But if he's getting... I mean, let's say this wasn't a blowout. Has he come back in and play four or five minutes at the end of the ballgame? Is, is Sato now on his way to playing 28, 29 minutes a game? Because if so, he is a must-own, must-start guy. 29 minutes a game is a lot. And then you can do the the reporting on that. Look at his games, because he hasn't had many of them this year where he actually got up to that number. Last year, uh, as he sort of slid more into starting level work, because remember, Chris Dunn got hurt. Bulls had a lot of guys out last season. Once Sato was playing starters minutes, he was terrific. He was terrific. He was over 10 points a game. He had, you know, if you look at last year's game log, you'll see some really interesting stuff. Steele's numbers were decent, but not spectacular. Not a ton of threes. That's the one thing you probably have to keep in mind. Probably about one a game. Maybe a little more than that, if everybody is expanding their range the way folks seem to do. But the assists, the rebounds, the steals, on good percentages, I love it. I love it. I think you got to pick up Sadoransky. He's maybe even more interesting than the guys we were talking about on that Thunder team. Sato belongs on fantasy teams immediately. Don't screw around. Do it as you're listening to this podcast. Find someone to drop. Because how many segments did we do last year? Remember, remember how many episodes we did on what Sadoransky could be if given sort of run of the, the, the ship as a, a full starter? Last season, last year, Sadoransky was number 130 in nine category leagues. And you're like, Dan, that is not good. Why are you preaching this guy? That was in 29 minutes, but he shot 43% last year, way below his career mark. If you took his numbers from last year and you just adjusted the field goal percent up to 47 or 48, which of course also brings the three pointers and the actual scoring with it a little bit. You know, he was at eight and a half shots a game and got to 10 points a night. If he was shooting four to 5% better, that 10 probably becomes more like 11. One three-pointer becomes more like 1.1 or 1.2. And then obviously the the impact of the field goal percent 
becomes decent, then he jumps into that top 80 to top 90 range. A very quick leap. Uh, it's also worth, I think, monitoring sort of a, a number of games stretch for Sadoransky. Remember, because there was that chunk in the middle of the year where he was an actual starter. So uh, I would say pick him up quickly. Uh, don't start him immediately because we still need to kind of see how this stuff shakes out. Okay? Because if, if he's a starter, but he's sort of a starter in name and still only playing 25 minutes, then he's not going to get over the hump. We need him to get up there to real starters minutes. 28, 29, 30, anything in that range would absolutely get the job done. 25 would not. The uh, the Bulls play again tomorrow. They host the Thunder and uh, on a back-to-back. So that'll be a really interesting set of data points from tomorrow's ballgame. If you think you can hold off and sort of assess things at halftime, you know, if at halftime he's at 12 minutes, he's probably not going to be a pickup. If at halftime he's at 15 minutes, then he probably will be. That's a big, you know, that tells a big story. And you got to love that across-the-board stuff. You know, I love the across-the-board stuff. Big fan of uh, of Sato's game. But we do need to see what the actual plan is because a blowout is hard to assess. Wendell Carter Jr., probably now a drop. If he's really going to be getting you know, 20 minutes off the bench, that's not going to be enough. By the way, quietly, Otto Porter at 11-7-3 in yesterday's ballgame in 21 minutes. That's not going to get it done, 21 minutes. But if he's being slowly ramped up, he has better fantasy game than a lot of the dudes on that team around him. I don't think he will. I'll be clear. I don't think he will, but we have to keep one eye on him. At least one eye. Turning the clock back to Saturday here, but before we do, and we're deep into this thing now at this point, we're we're like almost 40 minutes into the podcast, but I told you we had some big, we had some key games I wanted to really narrow in on. I uh, wanted to let you guys know about the recruiting stuff going on here at Hoopball. I haven't really rammed that down your throat in a while. We did a lot of recruiting in late January, early February, kind of left it alone for a month. But we have a couple of things that have opened up. First, on the DFS side, there are contributor spots open. That was totally full. Attrition uh, has knocked out, I think, one or two guys over there. So uh, if you are a DFS head and you think you can make the leap over to Analyst... Let me know. By the way, we got a report while we were on the podcast. Yusuf Nurkic is hoping to be back in two weeks. Much of, uh, much of injury news coming out right in the middle of the show. So we'll we'll loop back around and do a little bit of that after we finish up our reverse chronological lightning round. Um, the the DFS spot contributor level stuff op- opportunity to be on DFS podcast that reached thousands of people. This is a great chance for you to kind of come make your name in the DFS world. So hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com with the subject line, DFS contributor. And let me know why you think you'd be a good fit, and uh, we can talk about it. Also, I mentioned this on Friday's show, got a couple of you guys writing in. We are looking for someone to help us build out a social media division here at hoop ball so uh again uh this is sort of big stuff opportunity to sort of grow with the program and i'd love it to hear from you guys if if that's your thing and and you want to jump in and and find a path into hoop ball let me know at dan Baspers on twitter or again email team hoop ball 
at hoop-ball.com. Subject line on that one should be social media, if that uh, is the side you're interested in. Let's get through Saturday. I say get through because I think most of the big stuff happened on Sunday. The Knicks, not a whole lot going on here. Um, No Derrick Rose and no Alfred Payton. So Emmanuel quickly is an interesting stream here uh, if he plays in their next ballgame. I think he's listed as probable right now. Not making a move on Alec Burks. I know that his usage goes way up when all those guys are out. He's a possible streamer, but not a super exciting one. Got a few questions on whether or not I'm worried about Nerland's Noel. The answer is no. I know Taj Gibson and Nerland split the minutes right down the middle in this ballgame. It was the Taj minutes where the Knicks opened up the ballgame. Generally, the starter is going to have the better path to those. Knicks have played a couple of blowouts since the All-Star break. I think Nerland's has a better week this one around. Uh, and then we're not that far away from Mitchell Robinson. So at that point, we can kind of recalibrate things. I'm still probably sticking with Nerland's even after Mitchell comes back. Uh, but the expectations will be a little bit different. Otherwise, um, with New York, you're just you're you're looking at a quickly stream. They got back-to-back games coming up here as well. So if there's no Rose and there's no Peyton, which is sort of the ex- expectation right now, you're going to get a lot of scoring out of Emmanuel quickly. There's there's going to be no way to keep him from taking a truckload of shots. Detroit at Brooklyn. The Brooklyn side had a whole lot of nothing. Uh, Nick Claxton is still decent in his 17, 18 minutes, but there just sort of isn't enough time for him to make a big difference. DeAndre Jordan had a bigger ball game. That won't happen every day. Jeff Green played 30 minutes but didn't do much with it. So I think you're really paired down now to Harden, Irving, and uh, Joe Harris at the moment, and then obviously Kevin Durant when he comes back. I know this is off of DJ having a good ball game, but I don't, I don't like him. He tends to hurt more than he helps at this stage of his career. On the Detroit side, DeLon Wright up to 31 minutes. He's back. Dennis Smith Jr. didn't even play, actually, in that ballgame. Saban Lee saw 17 minutes, so they'll be rotating who's the backup point guard, but DeLon is obviously the guy you want. Mason Plumlee still logging most of the center minutes. I know Isaiah Stewart had a good line, but he did it in only 19 minutes. That's the number you're concerned with. He has not yet jumped into the driver's seat there, and I think it'll be a little bit yet because, as we've talked about, Plumlee is sort of their guy. They signed him for three years. They're just going to let him roll, and Sadiq Bey remains sort of quietly productive. I've seen him end up on some waiver wires, which surprised me because he's just been quietly decent, which is what... Everybody should have been expecting with Bay. I've said it a thousand times on this podcast. He's not going to be terrific. He's going to be quietly decent. It's just some threes, couple of defensive stats, not a ton there. A few rebounds, a few assists, just sort of quietly all right. That's what you should be looking for, a top 100 guy with a little bit of upside if the field goal percent has, you know, a week or two where it's much better. Okay. That's it. If you're dropping him, it's because you set the wrong expectations. He's decent. I'd actually rather have Sadiq Bey over Keldon Johnson at this point. Yeah, I said it. Uh, Wayne Ellington is considered doubtful. Apparently re-aggravated a groin thing. I didn't even see that when it happened. If he's out, Josh Jackson ends up getting most of those minutes, and he becomes more of a points league kind of stream. Charlotte, largely healthy these days, although Terry Rozier did exit and return to their game on Saturday. Devontae Graham slowly working his way back into game shape. Had a really nice one, actually, in only 17 minutes. Maybe the knee thing now solved for Graham, and he can get back towards that top 100 range instead of 150. 
not one of my favorite fantasy players anyway, but just uh, something to keep one eye on. Cody Zeller, 23 minutes in this ballgame. His target is probably in that 24 range, and he's probably more of a streamer than anything else at this point. Milwaukee barely beat Washington. That was pretty weird. Nothing huge here. Bobby Portis had a better ball game after being pretty bad for a couple of weeks. Still not a guy that I fully trust in his more limited minutes. No Bradley Beal and no Davis Bertans on the Washington side. Both of those guys are considered... Uh, sorry, Beal is probable. Bertans is questionable for the Wizards' next ball game. Bertans hasn't been that good yet, or that good recently anyway, but uh, certainly with Beal coming back, that'll move everybody way down the pecking order. Rui Hachimura had a rare, really big ball game, even for category leagues. But I continue to say he's a points league kind of guy. And I just wonder how long does Washington keep up this facade? I think it's going to be a while yet because they're still not that far away from a playoff spot. Despite being nine games under 500, they are only three games out of the play-in tournament. A couple of wins is all it takes. Sacramento at Atlanta. We talked about the Hawks already. The Kings side, we know everybody's on the trade block. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Just, you know, if somebody gets moved, be ready. Like, if Bielitsa gets moved, you don't do anything. If Hassan Whiteside gets moved, well, I, I should say this. If Bielitsa gets moved to a team where he's going to play, you do something. It, same deal for Whiteside, but not much to do on the Kings because those guys really aren't doing much anyway. The stuff you want to watch on the Kings side is... What if a, say, Harrison Barnes or Rashawn Holmes gets moved? Does that now give Bielitsa playing time on Sacramento? Or does Whiteside come out of his uh, DNP state, his, his uh, cryo chamber, and start playing again? So that's what you want to watch on the Kings side, but you're not pre-adding any of these guys because it's also possible the Kings are unable to make the moves they want to make and then just ride things out kind of sucking. We already talked about a bunch of these upcoming teams. Indy and Phoenix played. Pacers uh, got a really nice performance from every one of their big men, actually. Inclu like, all the way down the list. They just played well. Uh, Karis LeVert made his return in this ballgame at 13-7-2. I maintained on Friday that trading LeVert before he played his first game was your best sell-high moment, and I still maintain that because, yeah, this was encouraging. He played 27 minutes in his first game back. That's great. But his percentages are terrible, and he's going to need a, a, an absolute ton of usage all the time to get anywhere near where he was, even in Brooklyn. Because remember, a lot of the stuff he did in Brooklyn was with KD out. They didn't have Harden yet. Uh, Kyrie disappeared for a couple of weeks in there. You know, he was basically the lead horse or right behind it. He was number 1B or number 2, where on India, best-case scenario is number 3. Sabonis and Brogdon are both in front of him in the pecking order. Miles Turner, good ball game. You know, he's just gonna it's just gonna be a great year for him. That's he's he's locked it in at this point. Uh the guys that everybody was was tracking here, Justin Holiday still got his 32 minutes, so I'm not worried there. Normal stuff. He he's been good, so just keep rolling with it. TJ McConnell is a question mark. He had two points, one board, one assist, but he did play 23 minutes. So it wasn't like he wasn't out there. He just didn't do anything with his time on the floor. And that is actually a little bit concerning. I'm going to let it roll a little bit longer because, you know, he's putting up his value in about 25 minutes per game this year anyway. So he was only off by two. It was other guys that ended up taking the hit. But Doug McDermott got hot 
and perhaps that is part of why McConnell didn't have to do a whole lot in this one. Malcolm Bra- Demontis Sabonis basically was running the offense. He triple-doubled out of that power forward spot. Uh, you can't drop McConnell after one bad game because, again, the minutes were there. He just didn't get any steals, didn't get the assists. Let's make sure that he can find his place on this team with Levert back. Because it's not as though he just took his minutes. And he didn't even really take his touches because they weren't on the floor the whole game together. Levert was a starter. McConnell came off the bench. I know there's overlap there. But it was just sort of a weird one. And so I think at this point, monitor. And if it seems to be a trend, then yeah, you move on from McConnell. But he's just been too good for them. And so I, I do expect him to keep doing stuff. I also don't expect Doug McDermott to be this good every ball game, and that probably rearranges minutes a little bit as well. Uh, McDermott doesn't do enough besides hit three-pointers anyway, so don't don't worry too much about that side. Phoenix, uh, just not a really good, not a very good ball game. Devin Booker had 20 points on 20 shots, six turnovers. He sort of looked like Devin Booker from two years ago. DeAndre Ayton got outplayed by Dario Saric down the stretch. Phoenix was grasping at something in this ballgame, and it just wasn't happening because uh, Aiton got beat up by the Sabonis-Miles Turner front court, and uh, Pacers are actually pretty good at defending defending guards, believe it or not. And uh, maybe this is a sign that Indy's starting to get their mojo back. They looked exhausted going into the All-Star break. By the way, still try to trade Karis LeVert. See if you can get a top 75, top 80 guy back for him, because I don't think he's getting that high, and some people do. Dallas at Denver. Um, Will Barton's been quite good for Denver of late. I don't believe that that's going to keep up long-term here, but you're at a point where you could probably stream him. That worries me. I'm actually more excited on the Denver side about Paul Millsap. He played 23 minutes coming back from his injury stuff. Uh, Jermichael Green is back also. Uh, Keep tabs on that, because if Millsap, who was playing really well going prior to his injury, if he can trend back up into the mid to high 20s, his fantasy game translates a bit better than Barton's does at this point of his career, at least, for both of those guys. They're both kind of in the... Uh, Barton's not that old yet, but their their games have sort of evolved into a little bit more old player game, and uh, Millsaps, because of his percentages being better, they, they tend to translate better as well. But Barton's playing a ton of minutes with no Gary Harris and no Monty Morris right now, uh, although it sounds like Monty might actually play in their next ball game. So uh, another reason to just be careful if you are considering a Barton stream. Millsap, I did actually pick up in one or two spots to sit on him for a game or two and see how this thing whole shakes out. On the Dallas side, there's just too much uncertainty there now. I know we were on the Brunson train for a while. Now it looks like Josh Richardson is the hot one. He's had about four or five really good games in a row. If he got dropped, you can probably pick him up. If he goes on a a three, four week run, then yeah, you get threes, you get percentages, you get steals. If he gets hot then that's a pretty interesting thing. I just, I don't know if it's going to stick. It, it does seem like Richardson now playing the best ball of his year. Was he hurt early on? He had the COVID stuff. Is this him just getting healthy now? That's another thing to consider. There's all this weird stuff happening, uh, and some of it related to injury and COVID, and because of cryptic injury reporting, we don't always know what's actually happening It's just, you know, so you're making all these split-second calls I've talked about a lot of guys on today's show. Richardson, probably more towards the upper part of the list, because at least he has like a top 140 floor. 
because he's playing giant minutes. The question has been all season long, can he actually do stuff with them? Can he hit some threes? Can his steals or blocks be anywhere close to where they used to be? Because he's a very good foul shooter. That's built in. He's going to hit you some threes. That's kind of built in. Can he get a stranglehold on, I don't know, 11, 12 shots a game in that Dallas offense? The answer's probably not, because Brunson's going to end up doing more, and then there'll be a Tim Hardaway Jr. game, and they just keep rotating through that carousel. But at least right now, Richardson is sort of the guy. Did anybody not play Saturday or Sunday? That's the game we always play here towards the end of the podcast, and the answer is... No? Yeah, I think everybody played over the weekend. Folks, check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Use promo code HOOPBALL20 on your order and get 20% off and free shipping. 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get at manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 3.0 retooled for this season with a built-in LED light, 90-minute battery life, and waterproof technology. Plus, as always, Manscaped's really remarkable pinch-free technology that's the best part about it pinch free are you skinny yeah you probably got some weird spots you could use pinch free you have a little thickness to you you definitely want the pinch free manscaped brings it to you hoopball 20 the promo code hoopball 20 you get 20 percent off and free shipping just check out their website manscaped.com hover over the products and check out what they got i bet you're gonna find something you like in there whether it's the boxers you get some manscaped swag By the way, they're donating proceeds from various stuff to the Testicular Cancer Society this month. So doing good things, making great products. Check out our buddies at manscaped.com. Promo code, once again, is HOOPBALL20. Do it immediately. Tonight, an eight-game Monday. Milwaukee at Washington in a rematch of a game from a couple of days ago. But we're not going to do the betting stuff I've decided I want to steer this podcast back almost exclusively to uh, sports betting. We'll do the or the uh, to fantasy, sorry, and we'll do more sports betting stuff on social media for now. the uh, The news here that we're waiting on is really just health on the Washington side, so not a whole lot there to go on. Sacramento at Charlotte. This is a rematch of that crazy game that the Kings led by five with like eleven seconds left, and somehow they just missed all their free throws and lost. Just a brutal ending to a game. Does this team have any pride at all? If they do, I would lean to the Sacramento side, but boy, that's a tough one to trust. Uh, No real moves happening there yet, so I think you can stick with whatever you got on the fantasy side. Knicks are in Brooklyn, the battle for New York. It's it's health again on the Knicks. How many guards do they have that can actually play? We're watching Nerland's Noel, make sure he can get back some of his groove. Brooklyn, nothing really. San Antonio on the back-to-back. Still want to know what they're going to do with their power forward minutes on that team with no LaMarcus Aldridge now. It's it's still not quite clear. Is it going to be Calden Johnson ramping back up and, and doing more power forward stuff? Is it going to be Trey Lyles? Is it going to be Rudy Gay? Or is it going to be some god-awful combination that ruins everybody's fantasy value? By the way, it's, uh, it's probably going to be that. Detroit. Mm, you know, they're, they're with DeLon right back. They're back to being relatively predictable. At this point, DeLon Wright, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley are kind of the guys you can use safely. And if you hear Wayne Ellington is out, I guess you could stream Josh Jackson. But he, again, he's more of a points league kind of guy. Pacers, check out Karis LeVert, TJ McConnell, what's happening with their stuff. 
uh, coexistence, usage, etc. Denver, we just talked about them a second ago. What is Paul Millsap? Can he build back up? Because he was looking really good before his injury, which frightened me, as it should frighten all of you, that I wanted to do something with Paul Millsap. But, uh, yeah, maybe. And then Will Barton's been streaming, but if Monte Morris is back, perhaps he now takes some of that away. Clippers, uh, just Serge Ibaka's health. Dallas, we just talked about Josh Richardson is kind of a guy to watch, but it's really all their shooting guards. The Grizzlies, please play DeAnthony Melton, you jerks. Phoenix, nothing. Lakers, nothing while we wait on Anthony Davis for a couple more weeks. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not venturing it. I know Kyle Kuzma's been actually a little bit better. And the Warriors, they are also a big, fat nothing. So fantasy-wise, I think your stuff that you're really laser-focused on tonight is the Spurs and how their power forward situation is developing. Denver, can any of those non-core guys get over the hump? We asked that question for a while. It looked briefly like it was going to be Millsap, and then he got hurt. Pacers, you're watching McConnell, Levert. I guess you can throw Holiday in there. McDermott, how all of that stuff is piecing together. Grizzlies, it's all about what the timeshare looks like. And then Dallas at the shooting guard position. So... Uh, A few things to watch today, not the giant stuff, the Bulls, the Thunder, those teams like that. They're playing uh, tomorrow and towards the later part, uh, and tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week, I should say. Again, uh, oh, we'll be doing our drawing. Today's the drawing for our uh, Rate the, the Podcast contest. I have some 30 or 40 submissions here, which is awesome. Uh, I will be doing the drawing at random from a notepad document where I wrote everybody's names down. If you emailed it in, it's got your email address on it. If you tweeted it, it's got your Twitter handle on it. So it's just basically in order of how I received them from you. But I'll put it into a randomizer, and it'll pull a name out of a hat, and I will contact you directly, either by Twitter, if that's how you reached out to me, or by email, if that's how you reached out to me. And uh, you'll have about 24 hours to claim your prize. If you don't, I will draw again. But either way, tomorrow... We'll be opening up a brand new contest, and I'll tell you about it on tomorrow's show. Again, recap on today. Hit me up if you want to be part of our DFS division or social media division here at HoopBall, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball.com. Check out manscape.com and promo code over there is HoopBall20. And rate and review the pod. I know there's no contest now, but just do it because you love me. You don't even have to write anything. That's how easy it's become. I am Dan Vespers. This was your big Monday to get the week going. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we'll talk at you on social media. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.